Welcome to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast powered by Overtime Media. I am Benjamin Wargo, BadgerBlitz.com staff writer covering Wisconsin football and basketball. And I got a great podcast guest for you today. It's just not going to be me talking. It's going to be Josh Gosser who's going to join us talking a lot about where this Wisconsin basketball program is now. Uh, certainly, you look at where we are 19 games into the season. You should know a lot about your team, but Wisconsin is kind of going through a metamorphosis to a degree over the last eight games now that they have Micah Potter join the lineup. We're going to ask Josh a bunch of questions ranging from identity to about guard play to about defensive principles, and we'll maybe walk down memory lane a little bit. Five years ago this season, Wisconsin basketball was on its way to its national championship game appearance in Indianapolis, so very excited for my good friend Josh Gosser to join us here in a couple minutes. Uh, should be a treat uh, for you guys to, to listen to Josh's expertise. He's been on the uh, halftime show uh, on the uh, WIBA uh, broadcast here in Madison uh, quite a bit too. So we'll get Josh to expand upon his little one-minute segments here for a little bit. But so we want to get to the news of the week. Wisconsin basketball winners on Tuesday night, 82-68 over Nebraska. Where the game offensively for Wisconsin, 82 points. Bowied by 18 three-pointers, a new program record for Wisconsin. Brad Davison hit four of them, but for the most part, it was very balanced. All players in the rotation hit a three-pointer with the exception of Kobe King. Eight different players in all. Wisconsin was aggressive. They hit some timely three-pointers, especially in the second half. That helped spark some big runs. Uh, Dimitri Trice had a terrific game, almost had a triple-double in the second half alone. Had his first career double-double. Uh, which was big for him. Defensively, uh, Dimitri Trice played really well on Camp Mack. We're going to ask Josh Gosser about that too in a little bit. I think Dimitri Trice's defense over the last several games against Anthony Cowan, against Mack, and against Cassius Winston, all very impressive for Wisconsin. But I think to me, and I wrote about this in my five takeaways from the game on BadgerBlitz.com for our subscribers, one of the big problem areas for Wisconsin kind of crept up again. Wisconsin was bludgeoned in the post by Michigan State, which is understandable. Michigan State is is a big, strong physical team, and Wisconsin is not that this year with kind of a lack of a post presence on the roster. But Nebraska has a lot of quick guard-oriented players, and they were able to get to the into the lane with alarming frequency. Uh, you know, you look at uh, Deshaun Burke had all of his buckets in in the paint. And of the 32 first-half possessions that Nebraska had, the Huskers scored 18 points in the paid, 12 coming from Burke himself, who just came into the game averaging 11.7 points per game. Huskers, 36 points in the paint overall, which was 20 more than UW scored. And it's the second consecutive game where the Badgers have allowed at least 36 points in the lane. And with the Badgers going to Purdue on Friday night, the Boilermakers, typically a very physical team, have a lot of size inside. The Boilermakers, just 19 rebounds against Illinois on Wednesday night. So this will be kind of an interesting contrast of maybe can Wisconsin get back to being dominant in the boards, dominant in the lane against a Purdue team who at home has been typically very good against Wisconsin. 40-4 and all-time at Mackey Arena are, are the Boilermakers. But Wisconsin, another good win. Uh, certainly you move to 5-3 and three in the Big Ten. You kind of you know stay in the pack to be in that top half of the Big Ten race. 12-7 and seven overall. This was a chance for Wisconsin to uh, get a good confidence builder at home. Uh, Wisconsin to bounce back from that Michigan State game the way they did was important considering after Purdue on Friday going to Iowa 
on Monday, and then you get uh, a little bit of a rest before Michigan State comes to town uh, a week from uh, this Saturday. So kind of a tough stretch coming up for Wisconsin. Some opportunities here to uh, really kind of assert themselves. Uh, Wisconsin, I think, in the last couple weeks has put together some good offensive performances and some good defensive performances, just haven't really put a complete performance together. And certainly you're going to need to do that uh, to win at Mackey Arena, to win at Carver-Hawkeye Arena. And we saw what Michigan State can can do to a Wisconsin team that isn't clicking on all cylinders. So uh, some good opportunities here come up for Wisconsin to kind of see where they're at uh, with a measuring stick-wise as we move closer uh, to the month of February and certainly to March and NCAA tournament and postseason time. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Our podcast today is brought to you by Simply Safe Home Security. I should let you know that Simply Safe Home Security is like getting commercial grade enterprise level security, but for your own home. You think about the security Fortune 500 companies use, they need to know police are going to be on the scene immediately. And this is exactly the kind of security you get with Simply Safe. If there's a break in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime, and that means police dispatch up to 350% faster. Than for a normal burglar alarm. With Simply Safe, you get comprehensive protection for your home, outdoor cameras, and a doorbell alert alert you if anyone's approaching your home. Entry, motion, and glass break sensors guard the inside. Plus, Simply Safe protects you from fires, water damage, and carbon monoxide po- poisoning. It's all monitored 24 hours a day, seven days a week by live security professionals. You can set up the system yourself with no tools needed, or a Simply Safe expert can do it for you, and it's only 50 cents a day. With no contracts. If you go to simplysafe.com slash overtime today, to, you'll get free shipping on your order plus a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime to save on home security today. Simplysafe.com slash overtime. Back here on the BadgerBlitz.com uh, podcast, powered by Overtime Media. And as promised, we bring in uh, the legend himself, Josh Gosser, talking a little Wisconsin basketball. And, you know, Josh, we're kind of more than halfway through the season now. And, you know, so most teams are kind of what they are. You usually get a pretty good gauge of what a team is at this point. But, you know, the Badgers have only had Micah Potter for eight games, so they've kind of had to remake some different things. So with that being said, do you kind of have an identity of, of what this team is? What kind of brand of basketball this Wisconsin team is here in 2020? I don't. <laughs> you know, I think that's one thing that that we've struggled to see this this season is kind of what is our identity? You know, what, what are we when things are going, you know, south or, you know, a team goes on a run? What can we rely on? And even, you know, looking back to last year, even it was, you know, not always pretty, but it was, you know, we need a bucket, we're going to get the ball to Ethan Happ. Or we're a ground-and-pound team, we're going to post teams up, we're going to rebound, use our size. You know, years before that, it was, you know, kind of a star-led team with, you know, Bryson Taylor making shots at the end of the shot clock and, and Nigel Hayes. Um, this year, I, I, don't, I still don't really know what we are. I think it's good to have a lot of balance. So I guess you could say we're, we're a balanced team. we got, you know, five guys on the court at all times who can, you can put up double digits and score. Um, but it's definitely clear that 
the addition of Micah Pyatt to this team has been much needed. It's it's made us deeper. It's it's brought a spark off the bench that can provide scoring and size and and you know just guy who looks apart. So you know we've been playing pretty well here these past couple of weeks, and I think Micah's a big part of that. And hopefully we can keep it going. Am I crazy to think that Wisconsin can be a better team? overall without Ethan Happ? Because I thought last year at times Wisconsin became too reliant on getting the ball to Happ and that you would get the ball to Happ in the post and then you would see at times four guys just stand around and watch Ethan work just because Ethan was so good 10 feet in from the basket. Now we're not there yet because with the addition of Potter and like you kind of allude to they're still kind of finding their identity but do you think here that Wisconsin overall can be better because you don't have one guy that you're going to be completely reliant on that you need five guys at all times to have that movement that ability to be ready at a moment's notice to get the ball in their hands and to take that shot yeah I I actually thought coming into the year that we would be better uh, without Ethan and and that's nothing against Ethan he's one of the best players ever played here and just a, a tremendous player you know um but i just thought we'd be better just in terms of more space on the court more shooting on the court um you know guys playing with more confidence and more aggressive um it, it didn't look that, that way the first you know month or two of the season it clearly got out of the gate struggled a little bit but i think you know i think we are better you know than we were last year and uh you know some of that might have to do with you know other teams across the country being a little down as well um but I just think we, we have more balance this year. You know, every night it's somewhat different. You know, Brevin's had big games. Demetrius had big games. Kobe, Nate, Brad. You know, you don't know who's going to step up for you. Whereas, in, you know, last year it was, it was kind of all or nothing with Ethan. And, um, yeah, I just think we got you know, a little better chemistry this year, a little better ball movement, more spacing. And that's really important. And, basketball 2020. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point. You look at the, the landscape of college basketball this, this year, and there's really no great team, in my opinion. There's no team that you look at and say, oh, that's, that's the team that's going to be there at the end. You can pencil them into the Final Four. And it goes the same, I think, this year for the Big Ten, in that the Big Ten is wide open. There are so many teams bunched up, really from 2 to 12, who could make an impact in this league. And even Michigan State, I think we've seen is is still vulnerable with what happened at Purdue, and then Purdue t- comes around and on Wednesday. They lose to an Illinois team that's kind of been resurgent. Um, you have been on teams that have had shooters that you could trust in the final minute. Um, Trey Jackson, Bronson Koenig, those guys were known for making the big shot. You know, we saw Brad Davison with the big shot against Maryland, but can you have a, a team that can be very good to great without having that one clutch player that you know is going to get the ball in the final minute? Because I don't really think you know who that is on Wisconsin yet. Now, they have balance, like we've talked about. But yeah. can you be a great team without that one player that you know is going to be that guy you can count on in the final minute? Yeah, I think you, I think you do need it. I, I think it's even more than, more than having a guy. It's everyone else on the team knows who the guy is and what we're going to do in the final you know, minute or two. And, you know, I think you said it best, you know, looking back at our teams, you you know, I don't think anybody would say Trey Jackson was our best player. You know, we had Frank out there and Sam and you know some other some other pieces, uh, but we still knew at the end of the game he was going to be the guy. You know, who was going to be in a ball screen with Frank and, and make a play because uh, we trusted him in that situation. And, and I don't know if this team knows who that guy is. You know, I thought it was going to be Demetric. You know, he had a couple big shots last year and and earlier in the year a little bit. 
but you know, Brad obviously gets Maryland, and and then you think you know maybe Kobe should be that guy. He's our most talented player. Um, so it's it's kind of like we don't know as the outsiders who it is. I don't think inside the locker room they know either, um, which can be a good thing. But I think at the same time, you know, at some point when there's two minutes left in the game, everyone on the court has to know what's going to happen and be confident in it and you know execute it and it's certainly something that's that's challenging for this team and but you know i think there's a couple guys who can do it it's just about who's going to step up and be that guy I want to ask you about about Dimitrik. I'm working on a story with him, and you know the point guard is like the quarterback in football in terms of you know fair or foul. They're going to shoulder a lot of the blame and praise, you know, depending on the wins and losses. But Trice's defense the last few weeks, I think, has been really good um, against Anthony Cowan, um, against Cassius Winston, you know, against uh, Cam Mack earlier this week, where. These are guys that have scored a lot of points and doing a lot of really good things offensively through the first part of this season. And Trice, because of his defense, really has made them, in a way, non-factors offensively. What have you seen from him here over the last you know, couple weeks or so on that end of the court as he's made an impact without really putting up those big offensive numbers that maybe we saw a year ago? No, he's, he's been our most stable and consistent guard defensively all year round. You know, I, I kind of thought it would be, you know, Brad's role or, you know, Trevor or Anderson bench, but it's, Dimitri's been as solid as it comes defensively in terms of guarding quick guys and getting over screens and being in the right position. And, um, I think him and Nate Reavers are our best defenders, and it's, it's pretty clear that we need them on the court. And it's a big reason why, you know, guys like, you know, Brevin or Trevor or uh, Micah Potter obviously have, have not gotten those big minutes lean forward, you know, because guys like Nate and, and, and Meech are more reliable on that end of the court. And, and certainly, you know, the offense comes and goes and ebbs and flows with just, you know, game by game, which is frustrating at times as a viewer watching it. But at the same time, when you can rely on, you know, your point guard being a great defender night in, night out, um, and then, you know, just hope you can make some shots along the way, you know, you got to like that. This is a weird makeup for a Wisconsin team because of the lack of bigs on the roster. You know, we've talked about, you know, your team had Frank and Sam, and, and last year Ethan, for the last couple of years, was Ethan. How do you think the Badgers are different than what we've seen in years past from a scheme standpoint because guard does not have a lot of front court pieces? I mean, it's really Nate Reavers, Micah Potter at times. Micah's still going through some things. And then that's it. I mean, how different yeah. is this team schematically because they don't have that depth at that position? No, I mean, especially before Micah came back. I mean, it was you know, it was, it was bad. <laughs> you know, if we if they twisted their ankle or got in foul trouble, there's nothing we could do. We had no size out there, physicality. You know, at least Micah brings a little bit of at least you know he looks the part. He's he's a big, strong kid. He's six ten. You know, you know Nate's obviously a little thin. Aline's a little thin. So you know he brings a little little size out there, uh, but, you know even you know looking back to when I was playing in you know 2013, um, you know our first Final Four, we were similar. You know we didn't have much size. You know Frank was was our big, and and then Nigel was our backup five. You know he'd come off the bench at six eight, and Sam was only six seven at the time, and, and thin, and Duye was was thin. So it was kind of similar in terms of not having that physical guy there. Um, in terms of the scheme this year, I think the biggest difference from how we played in the past and now is still, I think, point guard play in terms of we always had a guy, 
you know, you talked about at the end of the games, but really at the end of the shot clock, who, you know, we were going to run our stuff, we were going to pound the post, we were going to, you know, move, cut, but when there was, you know, 10, 15 on the shot clock, we knew who the guy with the, was going to get the ball at the end of the shot clock was, and they were going to make a play, and, you know, Jordan Taylor to Trayvon Jackson for a little bit there, Bronson Koenig, you know, now who is it? So, we always had a guy who kind of bail you out a little, little bit at the end of shot clocks and make some tough shots or make some plays going to the rim. And, you know, I don't think we have that one guy this year. I preface this by by knowing that you only played at Wisconsin. Everyone kind of learns at a different pace. But what are some of the challenges of grasping the concepts of a Wisconsin defense from the ball screens, the switches, etc.? What makes Bo's and Greg's teaching unique to Wisconsin than maybe some of the other defenses that you prepared for uh, when you were playing in the Big Ten? Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, not a lot of freshmen come in and, and play right away. It's because, you know, I mean, A, it's, they don't accept mistakes. You know, you make a mistake on defense, you know, in high school or in a different program, you know, you just go back and play offense, and then the next time you don't make it again. But here, you make a mistake, you're going straight to the bench. And we just don't have the margin of error to be able to allow teams to get an easy bucket or get an easy three and, and things like that. Because not only is it bad for possession, but it gets good players going, and then it's really hard to stop them. And we just don't have the offensive firepower to, to, to make up for that. So I think, you know, the biggest thing is just, A, we don't accept mistakes. But B, you know, it's, you know, you, you come up in high school, you come up, you know, playing you know, as a good defender, you think it's, I can move my feet, stay in front of a guy, you know, get steals, get blocks. You know, that's what makes a good defender. When really here, it has nothing to do with how many steals you have, how many block shots you have, um, how quick you are guarding one-on-one. It's a lot more about positioning, um, all five guys working together, you know, knowing the scouting report, what guys like to do. You know, because every spot on the floor and every player who's on a different spot on the floor, we're doing stuff a little different in terms of ball screens. So you got to know who's setting the ball screen. you got to know who's coming off the ball screen and what we're doing in that situation. And if you don't, it's going to be a bucket. And it's just a lot about being preparation, uh, thought and scouting report, you know, being smart, fundamental, and, and those little things as opposed to, you know, getting a steal and getting out and dunking or blocking a shot. You're listening to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast powered by Overtime Media, talking to Josh Gosser here for a couple more minutes. And, you know, Josh, we kind of talked about all the things that maybe are not going right with Wisconsin or maybe are different. But this is still a team that's, you know, 12-7. and Um, They've got some really good wins here over the last month since Micah Potter returned. Here's an interesting nugget that I stumbled upon. Wisconsin is number 19 in the country in adjusted efficiency margin by KenPom.com, which really is a great indicator of who some of the top teams in the country are. They are the only seven-loss team in the top 20. Does that surprise you with with, with how well Wisconsin is doing in the metrics? It, it does, just because I still... I still use the eye test a little bit, and I like our team. I think we're I think we're a good team. Top ten, eh, I don't know about that. Top twenty, and eh, you know, I, I, the metrics are interesting because you know the metrics say that we have one of the best schedules in the country as well. Right. And to be honest, this is just me personally. I don't know if our non-conference was as difficult as it's been in the past. You know. 
our Thanksgiving this tournament this year, we played New Mexico and Richmond. You know, I think years past we were playing, you know, North Carolina and Maui or, you know, UCLA or, you know, Oklahoma. You know, some bigger schools, you know, and then we played in our home at home. You know, we played a neutral side game against St. Mary's. You know, in the past that was Xavier or Florida or, you know, teams like that, Oklahoma. So, you know, we got Marquette at home. We didn't really have, we had NC State in the ACC challenge where years past we were playing Virginia or North Carolina or Duke. You know, so yeah, to be I, fair, that's how, that's, how they're, that's how the guards control, though. You kind of get who you get with, no, with those totally. teams. I, and, yeah. I'm not, and I'm not taking anything away. I just think, you know, it, it's just interesting that the metrics say that we have one of the best schedules in the country, but I think it's because we haven't played any really, really bad teams. You know, we didn't have the Savannah States or the. You know, teams like that. We were playing, you know, Ryder, who has a good, um, pretty good metric behind them, Milwaukee, Green Bay. So we didn't have any really, really bad teams, which I think brings up our, our metrics in terms of our schedule. And then we've beaten some, you know, the Big Ten all around is, is right in the middle, near the top. Um, so I, I think it is a little bit surprising, but then when you look at the overall landscape of what, what our schedule ranks, and, you know, we've won some road games now recently, um, so, you know, it, it's surprising, but just all, all in all, I think college basketball is a little bit down in terms of, you know, the top-tier programs aren't as good as they typically are, and some of the bottom-tier programs uh, in the Big Ten specifically are better. So, you know, every night you're playing someone who's, who's pretty good, and that's just, you know, the way it kind of shapes out. Yeah, kind of look at some of those teams you mentioned. You know, St. Mary's has been a top 25 team at points this year. Um, you know, you look at where they are right now in the uh, in the West Coast Conference. They're obviously trailing Gonzaga. Everyone's trailing Gonzaga. But, you know, 16-4 right, right. overall, not too bad. Uh, you know, Richmond is number two in the uh, in the A-10 with what yeah. they're doing. And, you know, New Mexico, I think, only has like four losses. So, But you're right. They, didn't, yeah. they, they missed on Auburn because they didn't play well against Richmond. And they didn't really have some of those marquee home games. But I think you look at yeah, it was, it was a lot, those teams are all they're good teams you know a lot, of, a lot of a lot of pretty good good teams you know whereas in the years past we had a top five team in the non-conference or a top you know sure. things like that you know blue blood and, and we didn't have any of that but we also have a lot of teams in that 20 to 40 range that we've played um so a lot of pretty good teams i think the metrics too have helped because of what wisconsin has done here in the last month you know you kind of i mean i think a lot of us after that loss at Rutgers, uh were kind of questioning okay what kind of team is this going to be now but then they shock us by winning at tennessee uh, and then i think they shocked us again by winning at ohio state you know penn state as yep. you know is a tough place to play i mean they they performed well on the road and i think you're going to see here over the next couple of games at purdue which is tough at iowa which has always been tough. You get a return game against Michigan State. I think the eye test will maybe it'll clear up the picture here a little bit over these next three games. And let me ask you this: for you, what was the toughest venue in the Big Ten for you to play in? Um, that's a good question. Probably Michigan State. You know, that's actually the only place that I never won was at Michigan State. We didn't play that much towards the end, but um, yeah, it's just a tough. It's a tough venue. The students are right on you. It's a passionate fan base. And, and, and Michigan State is just, they're big, strong, fast, athletic. And they, they ramp up another another level at home. So it's just a really tough team and, and place to play. But I think Purdue is right up there with them. Um, you know, Purdue's a little down this year, so I think there's an opportunity for us to get in there and, and get a win. Um, they, they struggle offensively a little bit, similar to what uh, kind of we've gone through. So I think it's going to be a close game either way. 
Um, but that would be a huge win going into Purdue because that's a really difficult place to to win, as you know the, the data shows in the last decade. So I'd say those are the top two, in my opinion. Yeah, Wisconsin four and. 40 all time at Mackey Arena, but you won at Mackey. I remember I was there for that. And then yeah, I, I would have lost like 15 straight before mm-hmm, that. Something yep. crazy. And I, and then, and, yeah, we went in there and won. Yeah. And, your, and your final four team, uh, the national runner up team in 15, didn't play at Michigan State. I would have loved to have seen uh, your group go to Michigan State oh, and, and, and play yep. there. Because Michigan State made the final four that year um, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were really good. Yeah, we beat them by, I think, like 30 or 20 or 30 at our home court the last regular season game of the year. And then played them a week later in the Big Ten Championship and stuck one out in overtime. And then, you know, they were in the Final Four. So, yeah, it would have been a really tough, tough, tough game for us to win. You know, Maryland's actually pretty difficult, too. I thought that was a tough place to play. You know, um, good team typically as well. There are only two games that I keep on my DVR, and it's the Kentucky game. And it is that Big Ten championship game against Michigan State, like you mentioned, where I think, if I recall, with like 10 minutes to go, you guys were not playing well in the second half. And Bo, I think, called timeout and basically lambasted you guys at the timeout, questioning your toughness. And he didn't know like you had such a weak – he didn't know he was coaching such a weak team. And then you go on this tremendous run. You dive into um, me in the media row. You may or may not have been out of bounds, but that's besides the point. And then, yeah, yeah. and you guys have that great comeback. I, I think to me, that win showed maybe as much toughness, if not more toughness, than the Kentucky game because I think a lot of people th- around here thought you would win the Kentucky game. I don't think a lot of people had faith that you guys were going to come back in that Michigan State game in the Big Ten cha- in the Big Ten tournament. No, I, I agree with you. That uh, Michigan State game, it, it's well known that Tom Mizzle gets the team ready for March, and, and, and they were really good that game. Brandon Dawson had a steal uh, on Sam and went up over the rim and just tomahawked it up 12, I think, with eight minutes left. And Yeah, the whole the whole energy in the building was Michigan State going to win this, you know, 12-point lead with only a couple minutes left. Dawson came and came alive. And, and I think that just showed our makeup as a team. You know, the Kentucky game obviously did too, but I think those, you know, eight minutes really show what that team was about. We, we didn't waver at all. We still believed that we were going to win, and we believed we were going to win every game, which I don't think is was ever the case in my career. Um, so we, we, we still knew we were going to win that game somehow, and, you know, even beyond, you know, the comeback, getting it to overtime. And, um, the funny thing is, is, you know, it wasn't like Michigan State choked the bed the final couple minutes. Like, they were making tough shots, too. I think Denzel Valentine hit a huge step back over Frank. Tom Tom Nairn, who had made like one three all year, hit a three. You know, they were making plays at the end too, and we had to keep, you know, keep answering the bell, and, and we did. And I think we outscored them 12 nothing in overtime. So we, we shut them out in overtime, which I think showed our toughness to make up as well um, of why we were such a good team. All the good stuff we just talked about with that team, do, do you think that this year's Wisconsin team is going to be a tournament team? And if so, what kind of tournament team do you think they'll be? Yeah, I definitely think we are. You know, we have a, a good enough team. We'll, we'll easily be in the tournament. And I think, as we talked about previously, our, our metrics, our resume, you know, line up pretty, really well, actually. And that's going to be big for us is having that, that schedule behind us and, and some decent wins and, and plenty of opportunities moving forward. So I think we'll be a tournament team. I think it'll be a very typical Wisconsin year. You know, I think we'll be, uh, you know, a five to a eight seed, you know, maybe 
win a game or two of the Big Ten tournament, win a game or two of the NCAA tournament. You know, I think that's that's right about where we deserve to be and, and probably will end up. You know, I hope I hope we are better than that. I hope we find a way to, you know, steal a game or two on the road here, beat Michigan State at home and, and get on a little run and, you know, boost their resume even more and make some noise in the tournament. But, you know, that that's where I see us going and um, I think that's about right. You know, a lot's changed in five years since you guys won 36 games, swept the Big Ten, and was one the nation's runner-up team that year. It feels, some days it feels like it's been longer, some days it just feels like yesterday. But, you know, you look, the coach is different, there are no players left over from that team anymore. Has a lot changed besides that with Wisconsin basketball, or are they still the same team, same program, same principles now that they were five years ago when you went to the Final Four in the National Championship game? I don't think a lot has changed. I think, not to be <laughs> arrogant or, or anything, but, but that 2013 team was, was just an outlier. You know, from what Wisconsin basketball has been for 20 years, that one team kind of, you know, put that one aside and, and what we've done this year and in the past couple of years has been, you know, right on par to, to where things have been. Now, I, I would have loved for them to continue building on, you know, that team and take it to a next level and continue taking it that next level. But, um, you know, that's just not realistic in, in a lot of ways. So uh, I don't think much has changed. I, I do think, you know, obviously you you don't have Bo Ryan anymore. That's a, a huge change in terms of just personality and his moxie in terms of his Hall of Fame status and the way he he controls himself and his emotions, but at the end of the day, our our philosophy, our um, you know the way we do things in practice and workouts and and all that is stuck pretty much the same. I, I will say, I Kyle the kid has changed a little bit in the past decade in terms of you know Kyle's basketball landscape overall and and how kids are coming into school now and just the overall NCA and professional development. You know the game's changing; it's going to continue to change. But in terms of what we've done here at Wisconsin, I think it's been pretty pretty similar. Yeah, people will. You spoiled us those two years that your your last two years where you guys went to the Final Four. Um, you, you upset Arizona, and you know you were you know I think a, a friendly bounce away from playing for the national championship against UConn. Then you come back the next year and you steamroll everybody. Um, you go what I think it was what. 36 and 4, wherever it was, and you know, you're just a couple minutes away from winning the national championship that year. Is it unrealistic to say that at some point that Wisconsin basketball can get to the point where a Final Four every year, um, every couple years, is realistic? Or is it Wisconsin basketball always going to be the program that is going to have these solid years? And then every once in a while, you have what you had five years ago. You have that outlier where everything comes together and you go on a magical run. What do you think is more realistic here in the next, you know, ten years or so? I mean, it should be the expectation of every single player who comes to this program and coach that 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 should be the goal. And I didn't learn that until later in my career. Um, but it's just crazy what what expectations what. Um, a higher goal and your internal beliefs can really affect how you play and how things go. And I think there's no reason that every single year 
the team shouldn't believe that they can make a Final Four and, and compete for a national championship and a Big Ten championship. That should be that should be the mindset every single game and every year. And um, you know, we proved that it could happen. Yeah, we had uh, you know an outlier of a team that 2015 year, but I think that first Final Four year, 2014, you know, we were just as normal and and good of a Wisconsin team as there's been in a while. You know, we were we weren't that big or that athletic or that experienced or that you know, super ultra talented, you know, we, we just found a way to get there and there's no reason why, you know, a team like this and with everyone coming back next year, that they shouldn't have those expectations because, you know, five years ago it was proved that can happen and there's good enough coaches here and philosophy here and resources here to make it happen. It's ultimately going to be up to the players internally to set those goals and, and make it happen as, as best as they can. And, you know, it's not realistic for it to happen every single year, but it should be realistic that those are the expectations and that's going to be the work ethic and that's going to be the goal every year. Josh, tell us a little bit about your basketball camps. I know this is something you started a couple years ago and something you have a real passion for. Kind of tell me about diving into that realm. A lot of people have basketball camps. What have you liked about how you've structured your camps and, and what kind of value have you gotten out of those and what kind of value do you think you've given um, people that want to learn the game from you? Yeah, it's been really fun. You know, it kind of started, I was playing professionally overseas you know, after college and unfortunately suffered an injury out there. Kind of had a few months where I wasn't doing anything, so called up my AU coach and said I wanted to run a camp back in my hometown and maybe here in Madison, and, and he helped me organize one. And from there, it's kind of just taken off without me really thinking it, it, of anything of it. You know, it was just kind of a couple parents or coaches who sent their kids there, asked if I could do one at their high school, and then so on and so forth. And it's just been a blast to to work with kids. You know, that, that's the best part about basketball and, and about my experiences. I've gotten to learn from some of the best coaches in the world. I mean, when you think about, you know, my high school and AU experience, some Bo Ryan, Greg Gard, working out with NBA skills trainers and NBA coaches and overseas coaches. You know, it's, it's not rocket science at the end of the day. It's, it's getting really good at the basics, learning the basics, the footwork, the, all those things, and then just repping it over and over and over again and, and working hard and ultimately competing, you know, that's that's one thing I think that's lacking a little bit in today's basketball is just that competition and every single possession, every single play to, to win, and it's just something I try to share to, to the kids. Um, you know, it's not a camp where it's going to be a four-day camp where you're you're playing a bunch of five-on-five games and just, you know, wasting time. Um, try to make it short and sweet and really learn the fundamentals, work on skill work, compete do all those things and give them stuff that they can work on all summer long or all season long because that's ultimately how you become a great player. It's not what you do in the two-hour practice. It's what you do in the 30 minutes prior and the 30 minutes after and on the off days that really make your, you better individually and your team. So it's just been really fun to, to work with kids and programs around the state and share what I learned. If you want more information on Josh Gosser's basketball camps, go to joshgossercamps.wixsite.com backslash hoops. Twitter, J Gasser Hoops. And why I say Gasser? Gosser. Well, foolish me. Yeah, come on. It's, I, like, it's like that. Uh, it's like you're, like, yeah. That's, that's, 
the gas the gas cans. The, the ga- <laughs> one of my favorite, for those that have been following oh, yeah. me for all the years, at old Badger Nation magazine, the preview episode or preview magazine. Uh, I want to say the year you came back, I you were on the cover and you held like. Ten gas cans. I said, <laughs> "This guy's got plenty of gas left in the tank." Riff on your name, yeah. and hey, you know, two f- no no Badger Nation magazine cover curse for you. You did just fine over your your remaining yeah, two barely, years. Barely had enough of the tank. You you, you did you yeah you got Wisconsin to the finish line a couple years. So good for you. Um, and then obviously on Twitter, JP Gosser twenty one. Um, follow him there, Josh. Hey, it's fifty two days to Selection Sunday. Not that we're counting or anything. I'm sure we'll talk to you again before then. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a bunch. Should be fun following this team the rest of the year. Hopefully they, they keep it going. And that is going to be our show for this week. You can follow the latest on Twitter from myself at the Badger Nation, from John McNamara at McNamara Rivals, and from the BadgerBlitz.com account at Badger underscore Blitz. Wisconsin.Rivals.com, BadgerBlitz.com. We will give you the latest all the time in Wisconsin football, basketball, and recruiting. We'll talk to you next week. Hopefully we'll have some good news to report from West Lafayette and Iowa City. But until then, have a great weekend and appreciate you listening to us wherever you listen to your podcasts.